yeah, you know, as a pediatrician, I, I say this not a lot, but and again, that's not, I guess that sounds kind of boastful, so I don't want to do this, but um, I, if I don't know something, I tell my families, I don't know. It's okay to not know. I think sometimes as physicians, especially in, you know, in medicine, you're always supposed to get the right answer. You're supposed to know everything, but we don't always know everything. And it's okay to tell your parent, your patients that. And I think patients are more receptive to that. If you're honest with them, you're just like, you know what? I'm not familiar with this. I'm going to look it up for you. Or, Hey, this is where I recommend you go. Or, you know, I was reading an article and this is what it said, but I can't tell you for sure if it's factual or not. Or, you know, it's, it, I, pa patients want us to be honest with them. They don't want us to just make something up. The, the blanket statements don't work anymore in medicine um, because of social media and because of all this plethora of information on the internet. So. Hello and hola friends. Welcome to the Medicine, Marriage and Money podcast, the only podcast for dual physician couples who want to achieve marital interdependence and financial freedom together. In this podcast, you will learn how to show up as the best version of yourself so that you can love intentionally and build a stronger and more financially savvy relationship with your spouse. And I am your host, a physician mom, a doctor's wife, and a life coach, Dr. Kate Mangona. Welcome, bienvenidos. It's not a secret that doctors have a hard time creating a professional-looking digital presence. Having a dynamic website, ranking in Google, or growing your volume of patient reviews are not easy tasks. We're too busy to figure it out on our own. Advice Media has been around for over 20 years and works with physicians to create a more brandable online image, attract more patients, generate more calls and emails, enhance brand awareness, protect your online reputation, schedule a demo with Advice Media, and receive a $50 Amazon gift card just for chatting with us. Three in five patients will choose one provider over another because of a strong online presence. If that's the case, what is your presence saying about you? Don't delay booking your demo today. Go to drpodcastnetwork.com forward slash advice media. That's drpodcastnetwork.com forward slash advice media. Please help me welcome our guest on today's show of Medicine, Marriage, and Money, Dr. Jeremy Tofel. Dr. Tofel is a board-certified pediatrician, husband of 13 years, and father to two young boys ages four and eight. He began Imperfect Dad MD blog and podcast when he was struggling with his own sense of being as a dad and physician. Now he has made it his goal to help as many physician dads out there as he can. Jeremy hopes we can all be willing to embrace imperfection and know that to be imperfect is not the same as being a bad parent. Imperfection is what it means to be human. So welcome, Dr. Jeremy Topol. Thanks. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It's great to talk to you. <laughs> okay, so tell us a little bit about you. Where are you? Who are you? What do you do? Yeah, so I am a board-certified pediatrician. I've been out of residency for, gosh, almost eight years now. And um, I originally grew up in West Virginia, so I, I consider that the East Coast, even though there's no beach on the coast. Um, but now I'm living and working in Omaha, Nebraska. And so um, married, have two boys. They are wild and crazy, four and eight, like you said. And so, um, so yeah, that's that's me in a nutshell, I guess. Okay. Okay. And, and because this is the medicine, marriage and money show, I ask all my guests what your definition of marital interdependence is. Not everybody's heard of that. Do, have you heard of marital interdependence and do you have a definition for that? I don't know if I have a set, I guess, definition of that. I, um, 
Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think for me, marital interdependence, I mean, I, I guess for me, it's always just, it's such a team sport when you're, when you're married. And so it's, you know, make sure you know each other's strengths and weaknesses and, and thrive off of those and help each other out when you know their weaknesses popping up and maybe if that's your strength. But yeah, I, you know, everybody I talk to too, when it comes to parenting and, and, you know, obviously I see a lot of parents being a pediatrician. Um, it's that, it's that team effort. If you, if you're not a team, it's not going to work. So mm, team effort. Okay. And take, take us back. So you've been married 13 years. I, I think you, you've known your wife 15, correct? Yes. So we met in college. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what happened? How'd yes. you meet? How do we meet? So actually it's a funny story. So when I was a freshman in college, so I, like I said, I grew up in West Virginia. She grew up in Nebraska and we both went to a liberal arts college called Wittenberg university in Springfield, Ohio. So just kind of sort of in the middle. Um, and I was actually a freshman living in one of the, in the honor dorm there. And they would have prospective students come and stay the night and they, for their interviews and, and things like that. And so I was hosting a student and so were some of my friends. So we were going around the dorms trying to get all the students together to watch a movie. And so we went to one of my friends who was, a, was a female in the, in the dorm, knocked on the door and like, Hey, do you and your student want to, or want to come and watch the movie with us? And there was this blonde girl from Nebraska. There's like, sorry, I can't, I have to write my honors essay. And I'm like, what? come on, come over. And that was, that was it. That was that moment. So let's fast forward a year and a half. Um, and we were having, I was in a fraternity cause I was, you know, when you're on a smaller campus, you're either half of you are Greek life and half of you aren't. That's just kind of how it worked out. So I was in a fraternity. So sophomore year and we were having a get together with one of the sororities on campus. And she just happened to be a freshman who just joined that sorority. And we were having a party called a marriage and divorce party. And the way that works is you have a zip tie on your wrist Everybody gets a zip tie when you walk in and there's a room where you mingle and you hang out and you, you know, party, whatever. And then you go up to somebody say, Hey, you want to get married? And they say, sure. So then you go up to the priest and they say, you guys want to get married? They say, yes. And they take another zip tie and they zip tie you together. And then there's like a dance room or whatever. So then you go in there and you can dance if you want, or you can stay in the singles room and mingle still. And then eventually you say, Hey, okay, I'm done being married. Now you go up to the priest, say, Hey, we want a divorce. They snip you free and you go marry somebody else. And so we met actually at that party. And she was the only one I married there. Sadly, apparently I wasn't the only one she married. I didn't know about this till later on in the relationship, but we still have the zip ties in a box in our, in our closet. So we still, we saved them. So we still have those. So it's pretty cool. Um, but that's just one of those funny stories, you know, where it kind of worked out that way. And, you know, that's where we met we started dating pretty shortly after that. So still have the zip ties. Oh my gosh. Did you eat your own zip tie or we have the, um, we have them both. Yeah. And I think we still have the one that connected them, although we had to cut it so we could cut ourselves free, I guess, but wow. I can't remember how we took them off or maybe we cut the others. I don't remember. They're in the box. They've been there for a while. So did you fall in love that night or when did you, um, fall well, it's funny, you know, back then, you know, we were all on AOL instant messenger. Cause that's what, you know, the internet was back then. And so she claims, she tells me this, I believe her. Um, she says that that night, when she got my instant messenger name, she put it as guy of my dreams is what she claims. <laughs> I hope that's still true. I don't know if she'd say that's still true now. I'm not sure, <laughs> but, um, but I mean, yeah, I think it was, it was pretty quick. You know, I, I had had one serious relationship prior to that and, and she hadn't been in any like major serious relationship. She said, so um, I think we fell pretty hard, pretty fast. Um, and it just kind of went from there. Yeah. Okay. And then, and I know, okay. So then you, you proposed and you're, and you got married and I hear you had a crazy wedding. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So we got married in between my second and third year of med school. So most of our wedding guests were, were still 
college friends. And again, when you belong to a fraternity and a sorority and your most of your college friends are from those fraternity and sororities, they, they like to have a good time. Um, and it was, well, I guess the first thing that was interesting, you know, it was a beautiful day starting out. And then as soon as the wedding ceremony is getting ready to start and everybody's walking in, it just downpoured. It was like one of those summer rains where it just poured like crazy. And so everybody was kind of soaked. So we were all inside of the church. And as soon as, you know, everybody's getting together and the priest is like, all right, if, you know, we bring them, these two together and if anybody has any objections or whatever, and then there's this huge clap of thunder <laughs> right when he said that. And we're like, um, I hope that's not God intervening here. Um, but then, of course, when the wedding done, it was totally clear outside. It was still beautiful outside. Um, but then we, you know, we had the reception at a at a country club, and um, my yeah, my fraternity and friends and her sorority friends were were doing cake stands at the party, and it was um, it was it was interesting. Yeah, it was a lot, a lot of booze being consumed by guests, and yeah, it was, I think my family was like, "What is going on here?" And I'm like, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry, we already paid for it, so we got to drink it anyway." So <laughs> this was pre pediatrician, pre father. Yes. Yes. Pre. Yeah. Back when you could do these things, I guess I was not doing cake stands because I had to be the responsible groom. But there were there were some doing it. Yes. So what? So then, what came first, the pediatrician or the father? Um. Well, let's see. So we had our first son my third year of uh, residency, pediatric residency. So I guess you'd say pediatrician first. But to be honest, I mean, it's how much do you truly know about? being a general pediatrician in residency, they I mean, you get training on it, but it's, you have so many specialty rotations and things like that. It's, it takes some time to really actually honestly know when you go into general pediatrics, the whole ins and outs of it. And so I, I'd say it was both to be honest with you, because, you know, residency gets you trained for some things, but it doesn't get you trained for the everyday dad life and parenting life. And so um, technically pediatrician first, but dad was pretty close in there, I'd say. And how, like, how did one affect the other? Like, how did... Yeah. Um, you know, I think one of the benefits of number one, being a dad is that it helped me be a better pediatrician because I got to see what the, um, struggles were as a new parent. I got to see how the routines change. Um, I got to see how, Hey, the textbooks say do it this way, but in real life, you're going to do it this way. Um, you know, there's always those things. And I think that's one of the hard parts is if you don't have your own kids, it's hard to be a general pediatrician because it's, it's hard to relate to those parents. I'm such a, I, I always, consider myself to be an empathetic person. And so if I can't understand somebody, it's hard for me to help them. And so I think being a parent really helped with that. Okay. Well, what are, what are, what would you say are some struggles that you have had to overcome as a father? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think initially for us, my wife and I were raised completely different. I was what we, my parents tend to refer to as free range children. We had like no rules. They just let us do whatever. Um, and back then you kind of could do it, you know, getting raised in the eighties and nineties and, and whatever it's, you know, we would get on our bikes first thing in the morning, go out with our friends. We'd ride all over town on our bikes and we wouldn't get home till dinner. And it's nobody had a cell phone. My parents didn't know what we were doing. Um, they didn't know if we were hit by a car or in the hospital. I mean, it was just, and you'd get home and that was life. And, um, whereas for my wife, she had a lot of rules at home and, um, there were curfews and all these things. And I, I didn't have a curfew ever in my life. So it's, we have very different, we were raised differently. So when it came to how are we both going to parent, that was a little bit of a discussion and struggle. We still even now kind of butt heads a little bit on how to handle situations, not very often. Um, but, um, but I'd say that was the biggest struggle is trying to take those differences on how we were raised and determine how we were going to do that for our kids. So how do you resolve that? Like, I mean, how, what does it look like? Um, usually she's the right one that, that usually helps, <laughs> but, um, you know, I think it depends on the situation. I think there's a lot of compromise, um, and trying to look at a situation. And then if, you know, if we chose one route to go and it 
realized very quickly that that was not the right route. The other one would say, okay, let's try my way next time. Um, but then it's trying to find just that consistency and trying to figure out how to stay consistent with your parenting tactics. Because if you change it up too much, it's really confusing for kids, especially at younger ages. Um, and so you just have to be consistent every single time. And let's talk about a little bit about being like the you know, struggles you you're currently you have overcome or currently overcoming as a pediatrician, because I know there's probably a lot of questions centered around COVID or sending children back to school or, you know, how you so we're supposed to socially distance, wear a mask now. Like what kind of things come up in the office every day about about these issues now? Yeah. I mean, you know, early on in COVID, the biggest topic was, I mean, kids were out of school and now that's even still a little bit of a discussion. Um on kids being in school. And I think we've really seen with kids coming back that they really need that in school setting. Um, if you can, because you look at depression, anxiety, obesity, um, their eating habits, all that has changed in the last year. If they've been doing virtual learning, um, because a lot of parents weren't prepared for that. It was, you know, they are still working. They still have responsibilities outside of home. And now all of a sudden they're supposed to help their kid do all these things. And a lot of parents really weren't prepared for it. So I, I really think, and they still aren't, um, because I don't think there's a lot of great resources out there for that. And so we've been seeing a lot of changes with that. Um, the other thing, though, too, is is kids and masks. There's a lot of discussion. Should kids wear masks? Are kids able to wear masks? And, and that was even really early on during, you know, 2020, March, April time period where parents were concerned about kids doing it. And, you know, when your kids are toddlers, most you probably had a kid who went through a naked phase. They just they didn't want to wear clothes. They ran around the house naked. They're like, I'm home. My pants are off. I'm going. And, you know, they have to get used to wearing clothes. And it's the same thing with like, you know, putting shoes on your kids and your kids don't want to wear their shoes outside. Um, wearing a mask, it's, it's just like an article of clothing in a lot of cases. And so you as the parent, it's your responsibility to not only teach them kind of the importance of doing it, but being the one to show them, you know, you do it and be the example and talk about positive words with it. And, you know, it's, you know, I think we forget sometimes our kids just, they take everything we say as fact, like what you say as a parent, and especially in the younger kids, what you say is gospel. And so if you are pro, you know, you're saying, hey, masks are great. They're going to be good. It's not a big deal. Yeah, put it on. Look, you look great. That mask looks great on you. It's going to be, it, your kids are going to totally respond to that. But if you're negative about it and you're like, oh, we got to wear this mask again. Uh, I know this stinks. Just put it on. They're going to be negative the whole time about it. And so I think as parents, it's, it's really our responsibility to remember that. And so that was, that was a struggle too, talking to parents about that. Cause there were, there definitely were a lot and still are a lot of parents who are, are very resistant to it. And I guess as a physician, it's it's hard for me to understand the whys behind it. I try to. I try to go and look at what people are saying about it. Um, but it's still very difficult for me to to really grasp the why there. So, yeah. Do you have parents who ask you about like the COVID vaccine, vaccine whether they should be getting it? Yeah. Yeah. I have a lot of questions on that. Um, pregnant moms, moms who are breastfeeding. Um even just, you know, should we go to our friend's house who doesn't, who, who are choosing not to get vaccinated or, hey, our whole family's vaccinated now. Can we get together more? A lot of questions on that. Um, you know, for me, I definitely recommend the vaccine for everybody I and mean, kids. They're doing trials right now, currently, as we're recording. And, and a lot of kids, a lot of promising data is coming out of that. No signs of serious side effects in kids, which is great. Um, and so, you know, I think once kids are able to get vaccinated, I definitely recommend it. Our kids are going to get it. Um, our eight-year-old is, is not excited about it. I even tried to get him into our local trial. Our children's system here in Omaha is working um, with doing a trial here starting in June. And I tried to convince him. I was like, hey, you can get your shot early and you're going to get paid for it. And he's like, no. 
He's like, you'll have to pay me a million dollars to get a shot. And I was like, but you understand you're going to get the shot when it comes out. He's like, I know I'll wait. It's fine. And I'm like, all right, man, but you're going to get it. Um, and so we, I mean, we talk about vaccines in the house and we talk about their importance and, and why they work and how they work. And, um, so, and again, that's one of those parenting things, just like masks with your kids is it's about positivity. It's about how you discuss the topic and that's how your kids can relate to it. doesn't mean your kids gonna be super excited to get a shot. They're not gonna be like, yay, I'm getting poked. Um, but there's, it's, it's going to make it easier, um, in those regards. Yeah. And, and what are some of the, like, I know, I, you know, I've had, I've had a lot of friends actually, because I post on social media about COVID vaccine, me and my husband do a lot. I've had a lot of non-medical friends reach out to me saying, you know, we're going to start, we're going to start trying to have a baby this year. And my OB has told me I better get the, va if I get the vaccine, then we need to wait a couple of months to even start trying. Or, you know, I, and I also have friends who are pregnant, family friends who are pregnant right now and don't want to get it because they've had miscarriages in the past. And, um, what do you say to people like, yeah, there's a, I will say there's a lot of sadly misinformation out there on it. Um, there has been, there's been no reason to think that the vaccine would cause a miscarriage. Um, when you look at the data that's out there, and even ACOG, who's kind of the national um, OBGYN group for the United States has come out and said, get your vaccine when you can. Now, if you're pregnant, they're actually recommending try to wait till the third trimester, not for risk of causing issues with the pregnancy. But there's been some studies, early studies that show if you get it during the third trimester, those antibodies will pass on to the newborn baby. So that's why they're saying third trimester. Um, there was a lot of misinformation about how the spike protein antibodies are similar to one of the proteins that helps the placenta implant into the uterus. And so now you're going to cause a miscarriage and that's totally false. Um, the paper that came out with that, it was by somebody who is typically, it has been part of the, and I don't know the term, I, I don't like to say anti-vaccine, um, vaccine concerned, whatever terminology you want to use there, they've been a part of that community. And so, um, but what they tried to, the analogy they tried to use was that they shared very similar protein structures. But when you look at it, there's a, over 530 proteins within them and they share four, four together out of those 530. And, that, and if you talk to immunologists and all those guys, th that's not enough to create an immune response. So, um, so that's, we know is not true, but sadly it's still been passed on as potentially being truthful. Um, I mean, the other thing we know with COVID is that if a mom gets COVID, it increases her risks for preterm labor. Um, we know that. So COVID infection absolutely is detrimental to a pregnancy potentially. Um, but the vaccines are not, um, they've, they had, you know, they haven't done set trials on pregnant moms, but you had pregnant moms who got into the studies because let's be honest, how often do we know when we're pregnant right away or you're stuck at home, you got your first shot. What am I supposed to do while I'm in this trial? Hey, we're at home together. Let's hang out and then you get pregnant. And so, um, you know, they had those people in the trials and so they took them out of the trials, but they still followed them and they haven't seen any negative outcomes from that right now. Now it's a small population, but again, they haven't seen anything there. So, um, so yeah, I think I'm, I, I'd be surprised if there were some OBs out there stating, don't get, don't do it, don't get it, don't do this because there's, there's really no set data that argues against it, I guess I'd say. Right. Yeah. Cause there's, I bet you're right about the, there's so much misinformation. So where do people lean? Where do people go to for the correct information? Cause we can't all go to you, Dr. Tofel. Yeah. And, and sadly people still don't believe me when I talk to them. So, I mean, I guess ultimately, you know, when you're talking about these, inf this information, you, you go to your physician first, 
but I, I will say, I mean, it's it's hard because not every physician takes the time to look at the most recent information too. And so if something doesn't sound right or concerning, I, I would try to then either look at who is the national group for that specific topic. So again, with obstetrics, you can go to, to the ACOG website. So look that up, ACOG, and and see if they have any, you know, papers or articles on that. Um, I mean, if you're looking online at from people online, if you're going to ask your best friend on Facebook or who has a nurse, who's a sister of this person and that person, I mean, it's a little, a little fishy on the things. And so, I mean, and again, I'm here as a pediatrician, I'm not their pediatrician. And so it's, I type up sometimes some blog posts on these things and release them. But again, that's social media talk. And so some people may not believe me because it's posted on social media. Um, and so it's hard. I always say, if you hear something and it doesn't make sense, try to find the source of it. And so if you read something online, you find somebody posts a meme or whatever, you have to go down that rabbit hole of following the source, following the source, following the source to see if there's any credibility to what's being stated. And so um, it's tough out there. If you are a physician, like cause a lot of my audience are physicians and, and we don't have, you don't have the answer, then maybe we should just not answer. Yeah. You know, as a pediatrician, I, I say this not a lot, but and again, that's not, I guess that sounds kind of boastful. So I don't want to do this. But um, I, if I don't know something, I tell my families, I don't know. It's okay to not know. I think sometimes as physicians, we, especially in, you know, in medicine, you're always supposed to get the right answer. You're supposed to know everything. But we don't always know everything. And it's okay to tell your parent, your patients that. And I think patients are more receptive to that. If you're honest with them, you're just like, you know what, I'm not familiar with this. I'm going to look it up for you. Or, hey, this is where I recommend you go. Or, you know, I was reading an article and this is what it said, but I can't tell you for sure if it's factual or not. Or, you know, it's, it, I, pa patients want us to be honest with them. They don't want us to just make something up. The, the blanket statements don't work anymore in medicine um, because of social media, because of all this plethora of information on the internet. So if we are given a question, we can't answer instead of propagating what we think, you know, what we're assuming, maybe we just say, hey, let me look that up for you. Let me give you a contact of somebody who's actually more of an expert in this field, or I'll look up some articles. Let's do some resources here because yeah, we definitely don't want to be part of the problem, prop propagating the lies on the COVID vaccine. So, so your wife, is your wife vaccinated? She is. Yeah. So she, she had her first and actually her second ones, I think next week. And so, yeah, she's not a physician. She had a, she did her training in accounting and, and worked, um, in public accounting for a while. And then actually worked, um, for Union Pacific downtown with the, the national headquarters here in Omaha. Um, but the last few years she's been home, you know, we kind of talked about it and, you know, our kids are young still and they're getting older and, you know, you don't get that time back. And so we talked about, you know, do we want to keep doing how we're doing it or does she want to be home and get that extra time with them? And and she made that decision, which was great. And, um, does that affect, um, the money specific situation? Sure. It does. You know, that's an income that we don't have anymore and we don't have a way to, um, make up for that. So again, that's that teamwork effort. It's like, okay, well, this is going to come down, but we're gaining time and it's, you're buying your time essentially there. So. Right. Okay. So what are the, what do the financial discussions look like in your household? Are those something routinely or? No, <laughs> sadly not. Money's not always a big topic of, of discussion in the house, which, you know, it, and it's, and that's okay because we, you know, I've, I've always from day one made sure I put money away into retirement accounts and we put money in our HSA and I put money through kind of the back back if you want to call it backdoor backdoor Roth IRAs and, and those kind of things too. And so there's always money put away for that right away. Um, 
And so it's not like we're stealing from future retirement situations. And so there's money left over. Now, are there hiccups here and there with it? Sure. Um, but we discuss it. We we look at things not every day or every month even sometimes. Um, but we discuss it if things are, if there's concerning things or anything like that. But we're not really, um, we don't jump on each other. We're not anal about it, I guess you'd say. <laughs> but Who, Who's the CFO? Do you guys both manage it together? You're the CFO? I guess you'd say I am. I don't know if she likes that answer. but <laughs> um, So yeah, I would say I, I probably more am. So I'm a little more interested in the, the, the financial education part of it, I guess you'd say. So yeah, it's interesting to me. Okay. And um, oh, you know what? One thing I skipped is bedtime routine. I know you really bedtime routine. Tell us a little bit about how that's why that's important in your life. Yeah. So my yeah, my wife and I, we have this routine at night and we call it our good nights. We say good night to each other every night the same way. It's we say good night, sleep well, sweet dreams, I love you. And it's the same order. We we do it every time. And it really started when we first started dating. You know, we said good night to every each other, and then we say good night and sleep well, and then good night, sleep well, sweet dreams. And as soon as we started saying I love you to each other while dating, it got part of it. And we've said it literally every night since we started the routine. There's been just like two or three times that we've missed it. And you know, when you do a routine so much and you skip it, it feels so awful. It is so weird to go to bed without saying it. Like even when I was in med school my first year and she was still a senior in college, even if I was out late for doing something, we, we had to still call each other and do it because it just felt so awkward not doing it. And so now, you know, being in a marriage, things don't always go the way you want them to and disagreements happen and sometimes they get a little elevated or heated. But even in those moments, it could be 1am in the morning and we may still be so frustrated with the situation of whatever the discussion was, but we're so tired and we're like, okay, we got to go to bed. Okay. We got to just say our good nights here. And it helps kind of deescalate the situation a little bit. And to be honest, every, and sometimes we'll resist it. We'll almost like use it as a ploy. Like, nope, I don't, I'm not ready to do that yet. I can't say it yet. But as soon as we do it, it almost, it really calms things down. And it almost always seems to resolve. Like we all, we were, we're both almost getting to this mindset, like, okay, we can, we can fix this. We can take care of this. Let's, let's chill it out. So it's, it's one of those routines. We've done it for so long and, um, and yeah, it's almost like our little thing. And we do it with our boys now too. You know, when we say goodnight to them, we'll, we'll say those goodnights to them too. Okay. Yeah, yeah, when you first were talking to me about a bedtime routine a little bit offline. I was like, I thought we were going to be talking all about the kids. Oh no, no, that's, that's, that's our marriage routine. <laughs> marriage routine, which totally works. Okay. It works on, on nights that, that are perfect and, and nights that are imperfect because it helps you're like, like de-escalate whatever situation, whatever heated topic you may be talking about. Hey, that's a great, that's a great, beautiful thing. Good night, sleep well, sweet dreams. I love you. I need mean, that. You say it to your kids. Your kids say it back. Oh yeah, they'll say it back. Yep, they'll do it back. Um, our younger one, for our four-year-old, he's you know, toddlers and these younger ages, they go through these these periods of where they they almost it's not so much like an OCD situation, but they have to do things a certain number of times. And so he's adjusted his variations. First, it was like 13 times, then it was 15, then it came down to seven. So I was excited. I thought we were going backwards. Now it's back to 10. So he literally will say those good nights 10 times in a row. And like you're leaving his room. And he's like, wait, dad, wait, dad. And he's counting on his fingers how many times he said it. And once he gets to seven, he's like, okay, now you can start leaving because he knows once he gets to 10, I'm going to be at the door. <laughs> and so it's just, yeah, it's just, it's ridiculous. And he knows this ridiculous, but it's still, it's still funny. I mean, that's just how they are. They, they get little habits, routines. And if, if something doesn't go right, then oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. Well, do you have any other rituals? Any other like, so that's one of your daily rituals. Do you have weekly or nightly rituals that for you and your 
your wife, you know, because having a four and an eight-year-old can be demanding on your time your marriage, anything you guys do just together for each other? You know, we we try to we try to have a date, a date night at least once every couple of weeks. It's, it's always hard, you know, as they get older, there's so many more activities and things that they're doing. Um, our boys really like swimming, um, tennis, baseball. Um, our older sons and Cub Scouts, I'm sure our younger son's going to get there too, once he starts kindergarten, you know, it, things keep adding up. And so that time is really it's starting to get questionable and like, where do we find this time? But we almost always, um, on a Friday or a Saturday, um, if it's not this week, it's next week or the week after, um, we always at least try to find at least once a month that time where we can just be out and be together. I'd love to see it every week, but it's just number one, it's not as easy. And number two, you know, actually recently our eight year old, um, when we told him like, Hey, so-and-so's coming on Saturday to hang out with you guys, mom and dad are going to go do our thing. He was like, he just threw a fit and he's like, no Saturdays are family days. And like, and it's like, it breaks your heart a little bit. Cause you're like, he knows how busy he is. And he enjoys that time just being home with everybody. And so then when you tell him like, hey, you had a really crazy busy week. And oh, by the way, Saturday, mom and dad aren't going to be here. It almost kind of breaks your heart when he like throws a fit about it. But you know, he's trying to just play on your heartstrings a little bit there and get his way. So it's 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 a balance there. But we all, you know, we make time for that. We really do. And we know how important that is. And it's it's always a work in progress. I mean, we're not perfect with it. Are there other ways you could you can invest in your marriage that are not just date nights? Yeah, I mean, I think for us, you know, like today, today's Wednesday, I'm off, we'll probably try to spend a little bit of time together today, you know, evening after we get the boys to bed, it's always our time to do something and we might just play a board game. Um, you know, early in, in our relationship, we played Scrabble a lot. Um, I learned very quickly that I'm not very good at Scrabble. And I have to use the dictionary every turn, um, which she says is cheating. I don't think it's cheating. I have to use the dictionary. Um yeah. And so now though we play other games, um, we may watch a show together. I mean, it's, we, we try to find that time, um, to, to be able to connect with that. So, yeah. What time do the boys go to sleep? You know, our bedtime routines depends on how hard the day was. If it was a hard day, that's seven o'clock is when we start getting things moving. If it's been a good day, eight o'clock is probably more likely because it's going to take time. You know, they're not in bed asleep by seven. Um, you know, we, we do their baths. We always read books to them. Um, Sometimes if we're in a really goofy mood, instead of reading books, we do a tickle game, which is literally playing tag. And when we tag them, it's tickling them. And so um, they love it. It it makes the end of the night more fun for them. And it, so and you always want your kids to go to bed happy because um, that, that helps with things. And so um, so we'll go through those routines and it may take 30 minutes. It may take an hour. Honestly, it depends on the night and kind of what our mood is and how we're feeling. So so you have that little bit of connection time, even though you might not make it out every week to like go on date. Absolutely. Yeah. What else do you want to share anything about, you know, what you've learned about being an imperfect dad or any kind of big take home points about medicine, marriage and money and imperfection? Yeah. I mean, you know, I think when, when COVID started in the United States back in March of 2020, well, well, that's what they say. It started probably started before that. But when we started talking about it more, you know, being in general pediatrics, we were keeping people out of the office. And so I had a lot of free time on my hands. I would come in and I'd have like four people on my schedule in the morning and nothing else. And obviously people weren't calling in for sick visits because we weren't seeing sick kids. And so I'd see my four patients in the morning and I'd be like, okay, I'm, I'm done. I'll take phone calls from home. I'm heading home. And my kids were all home at the time with my wife then too, because schools were out. And so there's a lot more time. Um, and you, you think you're doing a better job than sometimes you are, I think. And so I, I learned pretty quickly that there was a lot I still had to work on as being a parent. Um, and I always talk about there's a lot of parenting books out there on all kinds of topics. Um, but the problem is those books don't really focus on really the core 
issue with parenting and that's our mindset and how we think about and how we approach situations. Um, you know, you can talk about how to potty train a kid, but it doesn't help you deal with their temper tantrums and, and those kind of things. And so for me, it was a lot of, of working on that mindset and trying to get better at it. And I'm still working on it. Um, but that mindset is for everything, you know, it's, it has to do with money. It has to do with being a doctor. It has to do with, you know, me eating healthy. It has to do with all kinds of stuff and how I talk to and treat my wife. I mean, all, all of that, all those thoughts are totally derived from that. So, so how do you, how do you work on your mindset? So, you know, it depends on the situation. I, I tend to take it situation by situation. Um, if I, if things are going well, obviously, Hey, it seems like I'm doing a good job. But if if we have a hard time one night or if I overreact to a situation, um, I, I recognize that it's my fault and not somebody else's fault. Now, you know, in the past, it's really easy as a parent when your kids are acting out, be like, oh, my gosh, what's wrong with them? Why are my kids acting this way? But it now it's like, OK, my kids are acting this way because I probably sh- acted that way too in the past or I didn't help them figure it out or something like that. Right. And so I think it's it's helped me recognize how I work on specific situations. So uh, again, those nighttime routines, we have great nights and some nights we don't have great nights. Um, and when those great nights don't occur, it's not always because of my kids and because they're tired and exhausted. It's how I reacted to their tiredness and exhaustion that made the night then harder. And so I'll take those situations. And of course, then I beat myself up on it for a little bit and make myself feel like I'm a terrible parent. And then I'll go back and I'll say, okay, what was I thinking about? You know, when my kid was tired, and acting this way, what was, you know, what was that first thought I had? Was it just frustration? Was it like, oh my gosh, I got to deal with this again. I don't want to do it. It was a long day. Or was I like, okay, my kid's tired. I get it. I get this way too. We're just going to try to be calm and chill about it. And so I'll recognize what my, what those thoughts were and how it affected me, how it made me feel about it and how it then affected how I responded. And if it wasn't the way I wanted, then I work backwards and say, okay, how do I want to respond in this? Okay. So how do I have to feel and think about this in the future? And do I do that all the time perfectly? Absolutely not. It's a work in progress always. Um, Yeah. So you're self-coaching yourself. Yeah, I'm self-coaching. I've listened to a lot of, I've I've never, I I love the concept of coaching. I love it so much. I've, you know, when I first heard about it last year, I started, you know, reading up on it, listening to podcasts on it. And I I love it. Um, Maybe someday I'll, I'll, I'll get certified in it. I don't know. I, I think it's one of those concepts of you feel like you need to be better at it before you start telling other people to do well at it. And I think that's such, it's such a self-limiting thought, obviously, but you're already doing it, right? You're already doing it. And there's so many other people who, who maybe don't even know how to start working on it. trying. but you know, again, it's, you know, I, I talked about this, this, this week I had a podcast episode come out and I talk about this idea, you know, with, with ignorance is bliss. You know, everybody always talks about that. And as a parent, when something goes wrong, it's not your fault. It's your kid's fault. It's your spouse's fault. It's somebody else's fault. Now it's always my fault because I'm thinking that. And so it's a little harder because I'm beating myself up now more. And so now it's like, okay, you failed at this. So you got to do better at it. And so sometimes those moments when you're feeling negative about how your kids are responding, now I'm feeling even more negative a little bit because of how I'm thinking about myself too in that moment. And so I have to work on that. So that is a work in progress too. Yes, because yeah, we're not supposed to, you're not supposed to beat yourself up. I know. Up. Yep. I've, I've been that way my whole life. That is, that is a work in progress for the last 36 years, 37 years. <laughs> That's what we do. But remember, remember, it's like compassion, unconditional love. What are those words that make you pause? Like, okay, I'm beating myself up again. Why? You can still take ownership for things yet, yet, um, have compassion for yourself at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very good at blaming my past on why I do it. Um, 
And I know that's such a limiting th- thought process too, because obviously you can't change the past. You can't live in the past. So it's that's a big thing for me, especially as a parent, because, you know, I think a lot of times we look at how our parents did things and we tell ourselves, well, I'm going to do it this way because they did a great job with this, but I'm never going to do it this way because that was terrible when I was a kid. Or you can ask yourself, Dr. Triple, you can ask yourself, how was it perfect? How was my childhood perfect? In its imperfection, because look what's creating right now. It's creating you to self-coach yourself, create create a child an amazing childhood for your kids right now so and spread uh, stop spreading misinformation about covid encouraging all of your patients and uh, pregnant moms breastfeeding moms everybody to get the vaccine because you know because the spike protein is not going to cause a miscarriage we have no data we have no, no data. data and then there's really no reason to think that it should um again because if you if you saw that then all of these women who have contracted covid19 they shouldn't be able to get pregnant because you have those antibodies there and that's not what they're seeing at all. Okay, so that, that's perfect. So where can people find you? Yeah, so my blog, my website is www.imperfectadmd.com. Um, the spelling will hopefully be in the show notes because I, if I try to spell it, knowing me, I'll have to go get my Scrabble dictionary and make sure I do it right. Um, and then um, I also have my podcast, the Imperfect Dad MD podcast, and that's on every, I think, podcast player that you can find. So Excellent. Already in the show notes. For being here, Jeremy, it was such a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is great. One last thing before we go, remember Advice Media? Don't forget to schedule a demo with them to receive a $50 gift card and strategic insight on what your current online presence is doing or not doing for you. Contact Advice Media at drpodcastnetwork.com forward slash advice media. Again, that's drpodcastnetwork.com forward slash advice media. What an amazing episode from Dr. Jeremy Tofel. Thank you so much, Dr. Tofel, for coming on the interview today with me at Medicine, Marriage, and Money. If you guys haven't noticed, um, if you're watching this on YouTube or on my video that I'm <laughs> my t- my nails, there's a reason they look this way. I let my three and three quarter year old daughter paint my nails the other day, and my almost two year old daughter paint my toenails. So at least you don't have to. Um, see that <laughs> the paint job on my toenails by my two-year-old almost two-year-old okay so let's get into the three big take-home points from dr jeremy tofel number one it is not always or it's not usually about the actual problem or issue that you are discussing with your spouse or whoever you are discussing your problems or issue with. It's usually about the approach. It's about how you discuss this issue and how you began to discuss these solutions. So remember, let's approach any subject, whether it be bedtime, COVID, money, any other issues that are coming up in the relationship Let's, let us approach them with an open mind, with a team mentality. How can we do this together without blame? Stop bringing blame into it. And also from a place of ownership, this is our responsibility if we want to create a solution to whatever issues coming up. And let us also remember that we are all imperfect humans, ourselves and the other person in the discussion. Number two, misinformation about COVID is everywhere. And I know we have not talked, discussed this much on this podcast, but if you follow me or my husband on social media, you know that 
getting the vaccine for COVID is very important to us, very near and dear to our heart. We want to do as much as possible that we can in terms of decreasing the spread of COVID, decreasing the mortality, the death rates. And we know that the vaccine COVID has been proven, has been shown in studies that it works. So it is our duties as physicians, I know I have a lot of physician listeners out there, to either stay updated or with the latest info on the COVID vaccine and what its availability and, and uh, for the general public, or to have resources that are readily available because we do have patients and we will have family members or even strangers. I've had people reach out to me from high school that I haven't spoken to from high school. You guys, I went to high school a long time ago, y'all. <laughs> so they have reached out to me with questions concerning about allergic reactions, okay, or they want to get pregnant. Should they wait for a few months? They are currently pregnant and had a couple of miscarriages before this. Should they get the vaccine? And while I cannot make the decisions for them, I can provide them with the facts. We can provide them with the data and we can show them that the misinformation, what misinformation and what are lies, right? So we might not have all the answers. So I encourage you, if you don't have all the answers, don't feel like you have to make them up and don't feel like you have to read, you know, all the articles. If you're not going to be spending if you if you're dedicated to spending your time taking care of patients in a different realm right but just provide the resources provide the resources direct them towards somebody who knows more uh for those of you who follow victor and his community 39.6 you know he does a lot of facebook lives and he's done a handful on covid during pregnancy uh what data has shown about the vaccine so find those resources that are being published or you know, uploaded by physicians, by scientists, so that our friends and our family don't have to seek advice and rely on media sources or just that blanket statements on social media that we have no control over and that it's just going to continue to propagate. So highly encourage you. And, and, and if you've got those uh, patients or friends who are pregnant, breastfeeding, wanting to have babies, refer them to the ACOG. R refer them to the ACOG resources. There are there are multiple out there now. So and and studies that are being conducted. So please, please, let's do our part as physicians to to ensure that the scientific facts get propagated and not the misinformation. Number three, create or emphasize a bedtime routine or habit which fosters love and compassion amongst you and your spouse. You know, in this, it could be simple. This does not have to be complicated. For Dr. Jeremy Tofel, it's good night, sleep well, sweet dreams. I love you. Good night, sleep well, sweet dreams. I love you. And he says this every single night to his wife. They've been together 15 years, married 13. So I know they've been doing for at least 13 years. And I said, I think he said he skipped it like twice. So isn't that amazing? So simple, yet it helps them regroup before they go to sleep. And I also encourage you to always reach out to me, please. If you are at all curious about what Dr. Tofel and I were discussing near the end of our interview about his self-coaching and how he's really kind of learning to use his thoughts to empower his actions and his results that he sees in his life, please reach out to me. Throw me a DM, a PM on social media, uh, throw me an email medicinemarriageandmoney.com website. I'm ready. Sign up and we'll just get on a, a quick call and I'll tell you how I, I'll show you how I do it. You want to uh, stop uh, arguing less with your spouse or in any relationship you're in. What would you rather be doing with that time? Let's, let's talk about it. And I hope you walk away asking yourselves, 
Did I marry the guy or gal of my dreams? What am I teaching my children? How can I lead by example? How am I staying updated with the latest COVID misinformation, not only for my patients, but also for my non-physician friends who may bring COVID lies to the table? How can I avoid propagating misinformation? How can I support myself, my spouse, and my kids so that we are all more likely to go to bed happy? And just to reemphasize the first question, did I marry the guy, gal of my dreams? Let's revisit that question. Did my spouse marry the guy slash gal of their dreams? And how are we working together as a team and showing up together in the relationship so that we remain in each other's dreams? And that is it, my friends. Go fly, spread love and compassion into this world, to yourself, to your spouse, to your kids. Much love to you and your spouse. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional, medical, or financial advice. The opinions provided on this podcast are those of myself or the invited guest alone. They do not represent the opinions of any particular institution. Always seek the advice of your physician or financial advisor with any questions you may have of a medical condition or financial plan. This is for your entertainment only.